Welcome back to Pulp Friction. It's a show about what divides us. My name is Rocky. Emily's name is Emily. And we are uh, returning once again to talk about Fallout Boy. We're back to talk about Fallout Boy. <laughs> We're back at it again. We, previous- we previously had our great episode about Mania. <laughs> and now Fallout Boy is in the news. Now Fallout Boy's back. They've they've returned. We I remember when that episode came out. We were like, there has been no inkling of an idea that Fallout Boy is coming back, <laughs> and then they did a few months later. So that yeah. just goes to show you. Now they're back. They are uh, taking a, a MyChem tour approach to to their current tour, which is to say, fuck it, we ball. Nice. Uh, which I respect greatly. They've got a Magic 8-Ball for what songs will be played, and America's Sweethearts is in the uh, in the list. In its code, They have code names for all the Magic 8-Ball songs, right? America's mm-hmm. Sweethearts code name is just ass. Nice. Uh, they're playing the hits. They're playing the hits. They played, they played Gay is Not a Synonym for Shitty for the first time ever on this tour. Yeah, I think one of my friends was, like, um, outside the arena when that was happening. (laughs) Yeah. So that's all well and good. They've they've also released a new single, uh, just very recently. Uh, a little ditty called We Didn't Start the Fire. They, they should have put it out, I think. (laughs) Yeah, they should have put a stop to it. (laughs) It is, it's an impulse that, you know, thousands have had in the last 30 years to, to return to We Didn't Start the Fire and just talk about everything they came after. Um, but, but Fallout Boy did it. They shouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty Thanks. not good one. Uh, <laughs> I feel like We Didn't Start the Fire is like a stupid and shitty song, and so... <laughs> I don't yeah. think they've like bastardized something, but th- if if we didn't start the fire has anything, it has this idea of like being dragged through history, whether you like it or not, and the like chronological order of it is 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 part of that. They should have no. How do I put this? The Homestuck version. Mm. They should have stopped there with We Didn't Start the Fire covers. Yeah. I think, (laughs) if anything, I think, like, the funny angle on doing a new We Didn't Start the Fire is just having it be completely up of, like, totally irrelevant, (laughs) like, flash in the pad shit that nobody remembers. (laughs) It's just about, like, it's about all the bullshit that has happened on a specific social media site. It's about, oh, like, people got cancelled on Tumblr that one time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know, Cougar Town and, um, They John just Carey. talk about Tiger King. <laughs> Tiger King. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, not much more to say about that, but it, it sort of brings us to the question of how we got here. Because cause, cause what Fall Out Boy has done this year after a, a long break actually their longest break is um 
they've released a uh, quite acclaimed and well liked album, and then immediately fo- and then immediately followed it up with like uh, a totally embarrassing, <laughs> you know, um, it, it, it's it's what it's what people in music journalism call a Weezer moment. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I would call it a Fallout Boy moment because they've always been considered like a joke band. Mm. Like for a really long time, like I'm re- I've been reading Where Are Your Boys Tonight, mm-hmm. um, because I pre-ordered it in January, which is a very me statement to say. Uh, I've been reading Where Are Your Boys Tonight, and they refer to Fallout Boy in the beginning as a joke band. Mm-hmm. Oh God, as a joke band. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like, huh, what's up with that? And I feel like them them releasing a really good album i really enjoyed it uh releasing like this good album and then this fucking cover Mm -hmm. it's definitely a thing i mean we as we're talking about this album we'll see it a lot where it's like you know yeah like a perfectly solid song and then the video is just like (laughs) the dumbest shit you've ever seen to watch the videos god yeah, we'll we'll go into them a little bit. Most of them are not worth talking about, but um like with with Irresistible, there was like the the the, the, the first the first video that's just them like they're them as like a down on their luck basketball team <laughs> with all these like cookies. With characters. all the memes. Yeah. And then the um and then they did a second irresistible video with Demi Lovato where it was like playing off of the NSYNC It's Gonna Be Me video, and it just once again had nothing to do with the song. <laughs> nothing. I-, I think that talking about this album can maybe put us in a little further context for, like, uh, where Fall Out Boy is now. This is sort of a crucial stepping stone that I think I often overlook as you talk about, you know, Save Rock and Roll being this 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 comeback moment, and then Mania being this sort of fall-off. There were three irresistible music videos. There was a third one with some dog in it. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> Fallout Boy Irresistible, starring Doug the Pug, featuring Demi Lovato. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that is a third irresistible video <laughs> with a dog. Um. I'm gonna watch it real quick to see if it's like a recreation of the first video. Let's find out. No, it's just a dog on a basketball court, and there's like they like kind of play with some of the some of the basketball stuff from the other video. But it is it is a third video. That's just um. Yeah, it's a third. They've put them in wigs. They've put this yeah. dog in wigs. He's playing the drums. Yeah, yeah. That dog is supposed wigs. to be Patrick Stump. Understood. There you go. We've all been there. We've all been there. Story of this album starts um, with Save Rock and Roll, obviously. Uh, they return from, uh, in hindsight, a medium-length hiatus to Save Rock and Roll. I mean, it was a pretty serious hiatus for the time, because no one had ever... None of the bands that were, like, the big ones in that scene had gone on hiatus for that long. We were like, oh god, Fall Out Boy, it's done. It's true. And then they released Save Rock and Roll and my chem broke up. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't know how good they had it. I'm still thinking I'm still thinking about 
that thread of bands that break up the same year that Fall Out Boy releases a new album. <laughs> right, because uh, Panic broke up now. Because <laughs> Panic or, broke or up, broke they up. killed Cobra Starship. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's been a whole thing. I think they, I think, uh, maybe Mania not so much, but other than that, it feels like each of these post-hiatus albums is sort of a moment of them being like, every, every time they put out a new album and it's like, yep, Fall Out Boy is still a thing, it it, it becomes, you know, every band that is, is sort of struggling to stay afloat has another thing to consider where it's like, well, they still have Fall Out Boy. <laughs> so save rock and roll, big hit. Uh, keeps them relevant in an era where rock has all but disappeared from the charts. That's what um, they. That's what they were there for. Yeah, I yeah, only they saved rock and roll. I don't even remember what the line is. I only something to save rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, and in summer 2014, they go on the Monumentor with Paramore and also New Politics oh, to God, yeah. um, promote the album. Did you see that tour? No, I did not. I was not very into Fallout Boy at the time. I was still very big into Panic then, mm. and was starting to get into the into my My Camp phase. They started to like generate ideas for their next album while they were on that tour, beginning with the song Centuries. And uh, talking about the album's sound, Pete points to journalist Brian Hyatt, who a uh, has blocked me on Twitter, and b. <laughs> once tweeted uh, qu- quote the problem with modern rock is that it isn't modern okay so why has he blocked you on twitter i have no idea <laughs> i found this out as i was uh doing the research for this episode i went onto his twitter and he had me blocked <laughs> incredible <laughs> So yeah, he he has this. He says this thing. Modern rock. The problem with modern rock is that it isn't modern. Fall Out Boy's kind of post hiatus ethos has revolved around this kind of idea that you know they have to keep finding this this futuristic sound. They have to keep growing their sound instead of shrinking into, as Pete says, quote, a quaint little corner of Guitar Center. Fair. Yeah. So uh, they start working on their next album, American Beauty, American Psycho. I'm going to. Try to avoid uh, gratuitous use of the word psycho, which is a word that I don't like, but, um, you know, name of a movie. (laughs) That's what they call the album. It doesn't come up that much. Uh, Save Rock and Roll has a lot of elements from, like, contemporary hip-hop and R&B. This one is a little more of, like, an electronic and dance record. Actually, a lot more than I remembered. We'll get into it, but I sort of remembered this being just, like, a, a poppier kind of album, and it actually has, like, a lot of those, like... Cobra Starship dance elements to it. I don't know if I fully agree, but I see where you're coming from. Because mm. I was listening to it earlier, and I don't know, there were aspects that were a lot more electronic that I remembered, and then there were other parts where I was like, "Oh yeah, they did, they did that. They've got horns mm-hmm. on this for some reason." Mm-hmm. This is, but the thing with this album is there's not really a lot of history to talk about because. Yeah. They started writing Centuries, the first song that they started writing on this album, like, during that 2014 tour, and then it came out in September 2014, and then the album came out four months later. The album was January 2015, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yep. It's something that I think you see a lot more of in, like, the the boom era of, of pop punk, where, like, the albums would come out super fast, um, but... 
yeah, I mean, for them to like basically start writing this album and have it out six months later is is even by those standards really quick. It was. I remember the turnaround being super fast. I remember um, talking to a friend on the fencing team when I was in ninth grade and going, "Oh my gosh, there's new Fallout Boy coming out," and them being like. Yeah, I guess. That's kind of cool. More excited for the new Panic, though. Because mm-hmm. the new Panic was, like, more of a cool thing to be happening, because we hadn't right. had something for a while. I mean, certainly the uh, subsequent Fallout Boy albums, <laughs> you know, let, let let it linger a little more. I will say, I will say, just in terms of, like, you know, how long it's taken between them, etc., whatever. Whatever I said about Mania on the episode I was on for Mania... I feel like I do have to go back and go, like, I did. I do like Mania. Mm. It's good, it's just the vision isn't 100%. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, yeah, the vision I, here, a lot more solidified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually think that this album, as we'll get into, is, like, sort of the clearest form of that, that one particular post-hiatus Fall Out Boy sound. Yeah, for sure. I remember there being that interview when Mania came out where, where Fall Out Boy has been, always been like, oh yeah, our songs are usually, our, our albums are usually either red or they're blue, and Mania is purple. This album is very, very blue. Hmm, interesting. I think what stands out as I, as I was looking into like the process of this album is that Pete was really driven to make, again, going back to that quote about modern rock not being modern, he was very driven to make like a relevant rock album okay yeah i mean we'll kind of get results yeah i think he succeeded in making a very relevant album um for a group of people yeah no but i mean i i mean centuries was a huge hit and then true and then uma thurman was a huge hit and you know it it i i think i i mean other than like fun and peril it was like the third rock album of that decade to have multiple hits and mm. i th- i think um you know he i think he put a lot of energy into getting those songs to where they got to and into like crafting a specific sound for this album i think it doesn't really succeed in like feeling of its time but uh, you know maybe this is as close as you can get if you're like trying to make a rock album that's relevant this is this is where it comes from although there's arguably a way to like make a rock album instead of a pop album <laughs> and still you know get there yeah fair ended out did expectations in sales it sold like 218,000 in its first week it was going to do 150 um it was like finished number 15 that year um and again i mean like if you think about that decade and like rock on the charts, they had like all but disappeared after like 2009. And then you have like the fun album and the Paramore album and like loose singles from, you know, uh, uh, neon trees and imagine dragons. And, but like, you gotta have high, high hopes for living. You you do have to have high hopes, but, but that was after this. And, you know, (laughs) (laughs) fallout boy successfully you know built on the like comeback stardom that they had from from save rock and roll (laughs) uh it's named after two movies which is classic fallout boy stuff um i've seen neither of them (laughs) 
yeah, they. Uh, I, I think the the actual content of the movies is not really relevant. It's nothing to... to do with the songs. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they sort of talked about how there's this idea of like you know inside you there are two wolves right (laughs) it's like or or even just like america itself and the like idea of being an american being like you know having these high highs and these low lows that that i can definitely understand that's a theme that we've seen repeatedly Mm -hmm. i do have something interest i do have uh, something i want to point out with that song in particular i just i find it very funny like sit i'm sitting on the train listening to the record as i'm you know, getting ready for this, and uh, he, you know, he keeps saying, "Oh, American, American, etc." Um, for the AP part, and I'm like, "Okay, do you want me picturing Patrick Bateman?" Because I can't right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, I just think of that one meme that one of the guys from Cobra Starship retweeted that was like. Cobra Starship song, uh, fans will put on the worst song you've ever heard, and it's Patrick Bateman pointing at the record player like, yeah? <laughs> and I mean, it also, just, just 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 getting back to that theme, you also kind of see it on the cover with this, mm-hmm. you know, the white suburban the theme with, the, with the, yeah. the black American flag covering half his face. Yes. So, the album. <laughs> the album. Uh, it opens with Irresistible. They released three music videos for it. They released three music videos for it. It was the last single, I think. It was weird. Like they, they put out all those singles before the album came out, and I think Irresistible was the only one that they put out after the album came out, and then they just like kind of kept putting it out. <laughs> There's this post floating around that's like 2015 emo Tumblr was just like being an emo in 2015 was MCR funny moments. Drunk History of Fallout Boy, another irresistible music video every three months. Exactly. And God, do I miss it. But I think Irresistible is a good tune. Um, I it think is. It, 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 it's a good starting track for the album. It feels like they're kind of getting right back into it. And um, it has the same kind of anthemic feel to some of the stuff on Save Rock and Roll, but it's like a tighter version of it. I remember when this song came out, people talking about the usage of mon chéri versus ma chéri. Mm. In the bridge. <laughs> That's funny. Which is fun. Um, the lyrics are solid. You know, a lot of this, uh, the, the, it's an interesting kind of, because I think people talk about it as like this, this, this toxic relationship song, and it is, but like it kind of has this excitement about it. Like, you know, it, it, it's not a, it, it, it's it's not a scary song like 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 they're like like the 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 speaker is into it very much so yeah there's like a i wouldn't say rivalry to it but there is a an intensity that we don't usually see yeah it's sort of got a, a love the way you lie thing going on yeah um and here's a quote from pete about the track with american beauty we were trying to make a record as quickly as possible and this song fit right in huh yeah <laughs> the um he says the song began with a, a song by drake that had a similar horn intro i'm guessing that's trophies and he was talking to patrick about it and patrick was like you know i got this beat that's kind of got the same vibe and then um yeah it just came together very quickly mm. they were going for drake they were going for drake which is interesting yeah and then they did the remix in late 2015 with demi lovato um, I'm not sure which one I like more. 
the production is like crisper on the Demi Lovato one, which I don't think is it, it can be like good or bad, but like I think I think Demi's voice like slots into it very nicely. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're really the same song at the end of the day. They're, they're really the same song, but with a li- little bit different, uh, you know, different production, slightly different vibes. Yeah, there's a little, there's some 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 bigger drums on the on the remix version. And then there yeah. are the three videos as we as we talked about, which are uh, p- pretty ridiculous. There's some some memes in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, on, oh, the the Doug the Pug one has references to older music videos in it. That's nice. Uh, it has references to the Centuries video in it, where he's mm-hmm. a gladiator, and also, I guess, to Uma Thurman. A video. It exists. Sure. So yeah, Irresistible is, I think, a good uh, starting point for this album. Definitely sets the tone. Definitely sets the tone. Uh, Fall Out Boy, Fall Out Boy has a tendency to set tone pretty strong with their openers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the second track is the title track and the third single, American Beauty, American Psycho. I have always harbored in the back of my head just, like, a negative um, attitude about this song. And I think I never really bothered to listen to it for the longest time. I Like, when it came out, I listened to it a couple times, but not really since the album came out. Um, yeah. I, I mostly really like it. <laughs> I like the bridge a lot. I like the chorus. The verses, I'm... You know, in in the middle on. Yeah, the thing I kind of didn't know about it is that it was produced by Sebastian, who is this great um, electronic producer. And I think, like, when I think about it as, like, one of his songs, kind of, and, you know, I, I, this is one of the things that I think Pete really tapped into to try, to try to make it more modern, more futuristic. He, like, reached out to Sebastian. And... Um, yeah, I think when I think of it that way as like this high energy kind of manic dance song that I, that, that I tend to like from Sebastian, it, it, it works for me. I still don't like the, uh, the, oh, 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 like, like that whole part is, is yeah, the thing that still kind of kills it for me. Yeah, but the rest of it I like. The, the bit that I really like is how, uh, the line, I'm an American is repeated and mm-hmm. how it is specifically delivered because he could be saying I'm an American, but it also sounds like he's saying I'm an American, mm. which I like. Nice. I like it, Patrick. Do it again. That's nice. I like the, uh, the whole like alter boys, altered boys, where the things that love destroys part on the bridge. I like that. I like that. <laughs> That's good stuff. I'm looking at the, uh, the verified annotations on genius right now. Mm-hmm. You see the one for, um, for, uh, I wish I dreamt of the shape of your mouth? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> it is just three, what emoji is that? That's like a, that's like this sort of shocked emoji. It's not the, it's not the scream, but it's like, uh, raised it's eyebrows. The, like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, the... <gasps> <laughs> Let me find it in Discord. It's, I think it's the worried emoji. God damn! It's always fun when 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 they have the verified annotations because they're never actually explaining anything. <laughs> yeah, this one doesn't explain anything. The next line, but it's your thread count I really care about. Uh, Peter said, Peter, uh, 
Peter Wentz the third says, I'm a twelve I'm a twelve hundred thread Egyptian cotton kind of guy. JK, you know it's the dichotomy within us all love Wait, fuck. You know it's the dichotomy with in us all love versus material. What does that mean? <laughs> Thank you, Pete. Thanks. Thanks as always to to Mr. Mr. Wentz. There are a couple things that surprised me listening to this album earlier today, but one of them was that uh, I I pretty much really like this song. Yeah, it's it's not bad. There's the um, there's the Motley Crue sample with the that I think is like that Sebastian I think does good stuff with. There's the video features the kid from the album cover going through this like spooky labyrinth kind of. Okay, what was up with? rock albums in 2015 and spooky labyrinths <laughs> because that's the, the hallelujah video also by panic that is true that is very true <laughs> he was also in a spooky labyrinth then yeah i guess um could have been that maze runner fever oh true <laughs> everyone was everyone was getting in those labyrinths i wish i wish they just done labyrinth with David Bowie again. Yeah. Yeah. Would have been a good time for it. So another good track. And uh, the next track is the, 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 the moneymaker, the billion dollar single, Centuries. Centuries. Oh, Centuries. I like it. They, they, you know, they still play it on the radio. And I think if you listen to it, it's like, yeah, there's you know something that really worked it just like it has that anthemic quality that i think a lot of like the contemporaries of this album like imagine dragons and and x ambassadors had but it's like really like it knows it's pop and it's really you know doing doing all this it kind of subtle trickery to like feel like a rock song and still be like structurally uh, a pop song yeah I like the Tom's Diner sample. It's a really good, like, lead into it. Yeah, I think the Tom's Diner sample is, what I have in my notes is unfathomably stupid, but <laughs> it does work. <laughs> it's it, it acts as a really good lead-in, because you hear it, and you're like, oh, what's this going to be? And then it goes into the pop stuff, and it goes into, like, the deep, uh, not deep, but um, the swell of it. Yeah, very heavy. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I guess it is fun when a song like takes a sample and does something totally different. So I'm looking at the genius annotations right now. Sure. Just one mistake is all it'll take. We'll go down in history. Remember me for centuries. Hey, hey, hey. Remember me for centuries. This is verified. I only ever visualize this and playing this when I think of these words. And then it's uh, the Mike Tyson uh, NES game. Yeah. Punch out. Uh, and then the note, by the way, it's Pete editing these, not that it matters. I just talk about Patrick sometimes, the annotations, haha, which would be weird if it were him annotating them. <laughs> That's great. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, I think this song, um, it's produced by uh, J.R. Rodham, who is a big, like, late 2000s pop guy. He did SOS for Rihanna. He did Beautiful Girls for Sean Kingston. He did What You Say for Jason Derulo. Um, and that, 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 that again just sort of speaks to how it like has these heavy anthemic qualities, but is still like, you know, has, has that like pop 
formula mm-hmm. underneath it. There's a sort of braggadocio to it. It's very um, uh, kind of grandiose and um, has that kind of combative feel that, uh, like, like um, Desena Scene does. Some of their, uh, a couple mm-hmm. of their older mm-hmm. songs do. Some drink to dust or to gold. The line, the line that I always. Oh, I'm looking at the annotations again. This is a continuation from a line in Arms Race. The the bit that I'm I'm thinking about, I just really always liked the line, I never meant for you to fix yourself. Mm. Like, I don't know what about it, but I always just liked that one. Yeah, and the, the way it's like, they're supposed to match the darkness that you felt. It, it, it does feel like it's kind of speaking to the listener. Yeah, that is that is very evocative. This was also, it, it should be noted, this was a star-making track for the writer Justin Tranter. Um, uh, they were previously, like, a, a rock person more so, and then after this, this was, like, one of their first songwriting credits. They became, like, one of the biggest songwriters in the industry. They did Cake by the Ocean. They did Sorry for Justin Bieber, Bad Liar for Selena Gomez. They had uh, Enemy last year for, for Imagine Dragons. For Oh, the Misery. Yeah, <laughs> for the misery. Um, also, according to Tranter, this song is about uh, Marsha P. Johnson. <laughs> Based. We love to see it. Um, we love to see it. I don't, yeah, I don't know which part uh, Justin Tranter wrote. I think they worked on the chorus. So, yeah, I guess I, I guess, I guess I can see where the inspiration came from. If that's if that's true, and not just something they said because they were at like an event. Um, yeah, really stupid song. <laughs> Uh, equally stupid video. Yeah, love it. Uh, pretty undeniable, yeah. The next song is The Kids Aren't Alright. The Kids Aren't Alright. This sort of, yeah. you know, it, it has these kind of 80s power pop elements, sort of like Miss Missing You. It's got this sort of inspirational uh, uh, undercurrent to it. Um, this is where I start to feel like the production on this album is very busy. <laughs> That's... Okay, you're uh, you're looking at this more from a production standpoint. I was very mentally ill about this song. Sure. First off, first off, I do want to mention the kids aren't all right. Is my favorite Offspring song. Mm-hmm. So seeing this title, I was like, "Ooh, let's see, <laughs> let's see." Uh, and then not only was it very different, mm-hmm. but I had a bad breakup. Around the time that this came out. Oh, yeah. And, uh, that, that did something to me. Yeah, that's what, that's what this song's all about. Um, speaking of the offspring, I have a good kind of quote from Pete here. Uh, the song's title is a reference to the, um, the, the Whose Kids Are All Right documentary. Um, what Pete says is about the offspring thing, quote, I'm not super familiar with the offspring, Although Dexter was in a dream of mine the other night where he flew his plane and picked us up. <laughs> My god. <laughs> so yeah, the uh the, the offering thing is a bit of a coincidence. Um but yeah, I feel like the I, I like the chorus on this song a lot. I think it's one of the better better choruses on this album. This great kind of anthemic thing. And it's that it's that kind of for the fans thing that I think these types of bands need to have, you know, something that that mm-hmm. that uh, can really resonate with like the 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 emo teens. The emo teens. I did an art piece for uh, a college class um 
based off this song, actually. Uh, with, with the theme of nostalgia and synesthesia and various and sundry. Yeah, I do think this song is busy from the production perspective. I don't know if the whistle was necessary. Um, and I think it's true of a lot of, like, you know, it's true of the, the couple of Panic albums around this time and the other Fall Out Boy albums. And, like, you, you know, so I think during the tens there was a lot of, like, just throwing everything at you. <laughs> Fair. But I do feel like this, like, you know, this, like, you know, screaming kind of rock star version of Fall Out Boy works best when it is over this, like, poppier production. So I I think this is a good, like, kind of stadium uh, track overall. I think it works really well. When I say, when I say bad breakup, uh, I want to mention, I put this on a mixtape for the person I then broke up with. Mm. <laughs> so I was already associating it with him before then, and then it looped back around into like an Ouroboros of having a bad time. Boy, howdy! But this was this was a big one on there. The lyrics, the lyrics, like this came out when I was fourteen. The lyrics just really stuck with me. Really associate, really connected to maul the world like a carnival bear set free mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a good one uh you know i'm not passive but aggressive i think that like when it rains it pours stay thirsty like before part is like just a really like nice distillation i think sometimes i don't know i like i like when fallout boys lyrics are like very like complicated and obscure but i also like when they kind of boil everything down like that yeah i like this also what I just said. Yeah, that's, pretty good. that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You know, <laughs> y- your love is anemic. That is good. Mm-hmm. But then the verified annotation is your love is a meme. Yeah. Which is also good. Which is also good. And those are really, that's really the American Beauty and the American Psycho coming out. The Joker, this is a normal album. <laughs> yeah. The next song is the other massive hit single, Uma Thurman. She wants to dance. She does want to dance. I was a huge song fan of this song at the time, and uh, I still really like it. I like... Is this the one with the Munsters riff? Yes. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the Munsters riff. This is the music video where Brendan Urie is just there. Yeah. The 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 plot of the video is like this this woman wins a chance to like hang out with Fallout Boy for the day, but they're doing all these wild and crazy adventures. I I like this one. I like how it goes, but I feel like lyrically it is not their strongest on this record. It is gibberish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Correct. My favorite one to point out is is from the second verse. I slept in last night's clothes and tomorrow's dreams, but they're not quite what they seem. They're not quite what they seem. <laughs> I do like the line, keep you like an oath. That's pretty good, yeah. I remember when this song came out, I went, where the fuck is Gem City? <laughs> yeah, I... I... I, I I did think that was bizarre. I think it's like some city in Illinois, but um... it's uh it would be Quincy, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Cause they're nearby. 
Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of like when, when Patrick gets into the verse, he's like, the blood, the blood. Like, it's just sort of <laughs> a fun energy. Yeah, baby. <laughs> go crazy, go stupid. Yeah. Um, a lot of Kill Bill. Yeah, the idea for this song came from, like, they would play people that monster sample, and they were like, oh, like, from Pulp Fiction. And they're like, no, but... <laughs> no, but... Now that you mention it. You know? Mm. Yeah, the Kill Bill stuff, the uh, May Death Find You Alive, all that, uh, the, you know, burying and <laughs> all that. Uh it, it's it's like if you're going to put a, a meaning on it, and there are a lot of parts that that are are just kind of whatever. But it's like this, you know, sort of unstoppable force woman, like the kind that Thurman plays in Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill. But yeah, fun track, great vibe. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's nonsense, but I like it. Yeah, the next one is like the first one on this album that I didn't really care for, Jetpack Blues. I like Jetpack Blues. Okay. Okay, like is relative. I think it is decently strong lyrically. There's some good imagery. Mm. Uh, it's a very summery song. I was listening to to this today, and I was going, wow, this is a really summer album for something that was released in January. True, true. I mean, Uma Thurman, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Um... Fourth of July, I mean. <laughs> Fourth, Fourth of July. We can talk about the Fourth of July cringe compilation in a minute. Yeah, we will. I do like the line, the ringing in my ears gets violent. It reminds me of Too Weird, Too Rare in that it has the, like, I don't know, that sort of, like, like the imagery. She's in a long black coat tonight, and, like, again, these, these you know. Fight off the light tonight and just stay with me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one, this one kind of fucked me up, uh, when I was, you know, 15. Sure. Uh, specifically with, don't you remember how we used to split a drink? It never mattered what it was. I think our heads were just that close. The sweetness never lasts, you know? Oh, yeah. That's a good Like, one. that fucked me up. I hold affection for it. I just, I don't know. When I started listening to this, and part of it is that it's, like, a slower tempo than the last couple tracks, and it's, like... Still doing all this like heavy instrumentation stuff, and I don't think it always works. When I was listening to it, and I was hearing like these layers and layers of shit with like the church bells and record scratches, I was like, "This is too much." There's man. a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that one's not for me. Understandable. Understandable. This one, my a good friend of mine uh, in high school did fan art for this song, which mm. is part of why I have like affection for it. Well, there you go. The next one is Novocaine. The next one's Novocaine. Uh, another another very um, heavy, uh, the kind of bashes you over the head song, but I think it's it's uh, a little better. I I like the imagery. Mm-hmm. Love the imagery in this one. In the truly gruesome, do we trust? I'll always land on you like a sucker punch. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like that. These bluebirds are talking shit. The whole album, like, feels angry, and that's just sort of, like, their sound, but I feel like this song actually, like, there, there's this a sense of pissed. anger that comes through in the lyrics, yeah. Yeah, I I like this one. It's, it's yeah. mad. Mm. I will say, just to return to Jetpack Blues for, like, half a minute, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, the slower tempo makes it fall out of sync with the ones that came before it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they did that falling out of sync better on uh, the most recent record mm. with Heaven, Iowa. Sure, sure. When Heaven, Iowa starts, you're like, uh, okay, this is a little slow. This is a little, you know, mm, and then it, uh, the chorus kicks in and it like blows your dick clean off. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, yeah. I agree with that. And Novocaine was kind of the song that gave me some of those, like the early panic or Cobra or, or even killers vibes. Just, just in the, Oh you know, yeah. Had this, the, the, the sort of dance kind of vibe to it. Um, I think I never really like it when Patrick, like, gets into a falsetto at like the end of a line or the end of the chorus or something. I'm just always like, was that, is that, is that necessary? You have to. But I really like the pre-chorus on this song. Oh yes. The bluebirds and the, and the vultures and the, the worst nightmare. Worst nightmare. And, and get, yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. I like this one. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And there's also the fact that it's been said that like this this song was written around the 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 time that Trayvon Martin was killed, and like I think mm. you feel that that anger come through, even though it's not explicitly about that. And I think that th- th- this sort of feels like in touch with something in like the culture of the era in a way that the rest of the album mostly doesn't. Yeah, for sure. And the hijack the hype part is really fun too on the on the I stage. Didn't actually know that that's what they were saying. <laughs> I always thought it was hijack the heart. Mm. Well, but the hype makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Either of them works. So yeah, there are things I really like about that. The next one is Fourth of July. The next one is Fourth of July. <laughs> July. July. Fourth of July. <laughs> This song, we, can I, can I say when we're recording this? Sure. We are recording this on July 8th. Yes. Um, I didn't listen to this song on the 4th, and I meant to, because that is a bit of a tradition. However, uh, on the 4th, I did see across my dash, uh, quote unquote, Pete Wentz 4th of July cringe compilation. Which is just to say him mouthing the lyrics along with Patrick in multiple performances live of uh, I'm Sorry, Every Song's About You and The Torture of Small Talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, this song has a uh, Sunlock sample on it that I think I'd never really noticed before, but it's like this kind of this really crazy instrumental thing that sort of runs underneath the track. Um, I think this album... Does a much better job than Mania, I would say, at, like, straddling that line with, like, bringing experimental sounds into it and, and like, keep keeping that in line with the pop kind of impulses. It feels like there's a, much more of a marriage of that here, where on Mania it's, like, going back and forth. Hmm. Oh, shit! Hmm. They played The Kids Aren't Alright a couple nights ago. Oh, last there night. You go. They played The Kids Aren't Alright. First live performance was 2018 last night. Wow. Fucked up. Very cool. Alright, cool. Sorry. Yeah, I Sorry, think Sorry, got song... distracted by, by Setlist FM. Yeah, I think the song is, is, is like a good listen overall. I, I, I enjoyed it while I was listening to it. And again, I think it like does a good job of balancing those kind of experimental sounds with the 
formal pop structure. I did listen to it like two hours ago and can't say that I remember it at all. Uh, <laughs> um, which is kind of how I feel about a couple of the songs on this record. Um, but yeah. I, I always liked the phrase, may the bridges I have burned light my way back home. It's just, it's, it's a solid song. Yeah, thoroughly solid. Thoroughly solid. You're my Versailles at night. Foolish young love. Something like that. Yeah, all that, uh, you know, nostalgia and opening my nine to five is, is opening old wounds. All that, all that stuff. Yep. Next is favorite record. Which is another power poppy anthemic kind of kind of track. Again, very nostalgic. It's a very nostalgic album. When I was listening to it earlier, I was like, "Yeah, the verses." I feel like the verses aren't as strong as I remember. Mm. But the vibes are good. Yeah, I actually like the um, simplicity and repetition that they're doing on the verses a lot. I think that yeah. they're going for something really different with this song and something in more of a, it kind of reminds me of a teenage dream by Katy Perry. Uh, and I, I think they you're were kind right. Of, you're right. Yeah. Intentionally going for, for, for something in that vein. And I think it, it, it pretty much works. I think they are able to kind of distill again, these, these, these sort of nostalgic feelings, um, in a way that some of the, you know, some of it's, I, I think, um, I, I think Fourth of July works, but I think it's like these lyrics have these really in-depth kind of ideas about nostalgia that you can chew on. But I feel like this song just feels like nostalgia more. It feels the way remembering driving somewhere with your best friend when you're 16 does. Exactly. Though I can't. Oh wait, never mind. I can imagine dancing to Rancid. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, Dancing to Danzig is kind of funny. Dance, dancing to Danzig is kind of funny, but I've been to a show where they played Ruby Soho, so yeah. I can't imagine Dancing to Rancid. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing as I literally have. Yeah. I also feel like at this point on the album, we've had, again, a couple of songs in the row with, with like, very heavy, you know, things piled on top of each other production, and I like that this is a little bit simpler. Yeah. It's it's simpler. It's easy, you know. Yeah, it's uh, it works. It works. I also love how this transitions into the next song. Yeah. Uh, because you know it fades out at the end. It's got that like mellow, that mellow fade, and then that like rising tone. Mm. At the end, and then when it smacks into Immortals, you're like, oh shit! <laughs> now we're partying. Yeah. So Immortals, um, I think there are a lot of songs on this album where, like, I really like the verses or I really like the pre-chorus and the hook just kind of doesn't do it for me. Immortals is sort of the inverse thing where, like, I think it's maybe the best hook on the album, um, but the rest of it, it doesn't always work for me. <laughs> yeah, Try to Picture Me Without You But I Can't is a very good hook. It worked really well. It worked really well from the movie. For the movie. Sure. sure. Um, I remember when it came out, I was just like, oh shit, they got Fallout Boy on this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, bear with me on this one. Sure. When this song came out, I went, oh, most of Fallout Boy have kids now. Mm-hmm. So they're putting 
uh, you know, a follow up voice song in a kid's movie so that their kids can see something that they've they've done that they've been with and it'll be age appropriate. Sure. And I said, well, the same thing happened with my chem because they were on uh, Yo Gabba Gabba in 2010. So they're right. going to do something, you know, age appropriate for their for their young kids. And then I said to myself, if uh, if Panic at the Disco ever has kids, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what how that goes in terms of making something for a kid to to consume. Sure. And the answer is that uh, as soon as it was announced he was having a kid, the band broke up. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and I went, ah, there's the solution. Yeah, that's a good, that that makes everyone happy. <laughs> <laughs> Still can't believe that uh, Pete Wentz accidentally leaked the pregnancy announcement, but that's another story. Classic Pete. One of his classic moves. Kind of a classic Pete moment, and then the Instagram post got deleted. Mm-hmm. I always get Immortals and Irresistible confused, even though they are both like good songs that I like and that I got stuck in my head. I always forget which one had the Demi Lovato remix. I wish Immortals had a Demi Lovato remix. It'd be kind of great. It's <laughs> great. Um, it's interesting because this song was actually written for Big Hero 6, but it, it feels yeah. very, like, in place on the album. Yes. This is the one uh, I was a year into learning. I was, like, six months into learning Italian when this song first came out for the movie. And finding out that Patrick Stump did the vocals in Italian for the dub, I was like, oh, shit, I gotta hear this immediately, and then could never find the dub ever. Man. Yeah, and this is another really, like, dancey song, uh, which which sort of got me thinking again about, like, how I don't think of this as a dance album, but it has all those elements on it. There's also the video for this one, but it's really just, like the band intercut with scenes from Big Hero 6. There's <laughs> not much yeah. to talk about. The one thing that I was surprised about was when I got to this song while I was doing my re-listen, and I was like, mm-hmm. wait, isn't this, like, the second-to-last song? And then Twin Skeleton started, and I was like, damn, that's that's the second-to-last song. It feels like it's not that the album ends abruptly, but that it was over a lot faster than I remembered it being. Yeah, I'll tell you what it is, and it's something that I noticed on this song, too. Um, all of these songs are, like, three to four minutes, tightly packed, they have a final chorus, and then they kind of end. There is, like, very little, you know, rock sort of expansion in terms of, like, the structure of the songs. I feel like part of it is that Immortals doesn't feel like a penultimate song. Mm -hmm. like i'm just gonna really quick look at their other penultimates and see on on so much for stardust like what a time to be alive feels like a penultimate song sure on mania it's young and menace okay yeah that 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 that, that feels penultimate in a lot of ways that that feels penultimate what is it on folly because on folly it's twenty dollar nosebleed it's twenty dollar nosebleed twenty dollar nosebleed feels like a penultimate song yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. But Immortals, like, doesn't. I, I see what you're saying, but I, I, I think for me a lot of it is that, like, you know, it's the, the, the songs are kind of in and out in a way that, like, I was, I was, I didn't really realize until I got to the end, and I was like, oh, there's, like, 
this three minute song and then it ends and then there's one more song left and it's also three minutes <laughs> yeah yeah it's very much like here's here's something then it's done yeah the last song twin skeletons is one that i've always uh really liked uh especially the chorus same no again with um again fallout boy does really good openers and really good endings mm-hmm. their ending tracks always kick yeah, I actually think there's something kind of kind of interesting about how Twin Skeletons is like a. I I I I'm, I don't have any other track list in front of me, but it feels more straightforward than mm-hmm. than some of their ending songs are. Because yeah, I mean, there's um the last track on so in much terms for Stardust of, is is the title track. And so Bishop's much for Stardust goes crazy. Bishops goes crazy. Save rock and roll. Obviously. Uh, yeah. West Coast Smoker, um, Twin Skeletons, obviously. I, I like Twin Skeletons a lot, and I think it's really good, but it is, um, I mean, it fits the rest of the album. It's a, it's a, it's got pop construction and, like, a good hook and good, like, riffs going on, and it's sort of, uh, you know, it gives you the song and leaves you with it. Yeah. And it does, it does it well. Yeah. Uh, again, the imagery in this crazy yeah saints swimming in our sins again jet black crow droning on and on and on yeah i think the it's an interesting kind of like inverse of irresistible where that song has like a a tom and jerry like we're you know indestructible and let's keep fighting each other forever and this one is like let's just let's just die together It's, uh, the keep making trouble till you find what you love. I need a new partner in crime and you, you shrug. Mm -hmm. Like the, the idea of saying like, I need a new partner in crime and the response being like, yeah, all right. Mm -hmm. Uh, is always one that I really liked. Yeah. I have a good quote from Pete about this song too. He said, quote, this is a love song to me. The world doesn't make sense to me, but I'd rather it not make sense when I'm lying next to you. I feel like that's sort of, and that's a great kind of closer to this, like, you know, yeah. angry and, 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 and dancey and high energy album. I, I always felt that this was a sister song to kids. Hmm. Uh, this is partially my, you know, 14, 15 year old nostalgia and my feelings for my then best friend talking. Sure. But I always felt that the idea of, I think you're my best friend. I do it again. I need a new partner in crime. It's a, there are a lot of, there's a lot there that feels very combined to me. Sure. Uh, and, and the ups and downs of those relationships, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. As I said, I kind of see it as like a a parallel to Irresistible, which kind of makes it fit nicely in the album. Wait, this record came out on January 16th, 2015? Uh Uh-huh. Hang on. I have to, I have to double check a date that was important. Ah, here it is. A recording of the performance at the Skirball Center in New York City on January 16th, 2015. Hmm. I have connected the dots. Hmm. 
This record came out the same day that I and that then best friend went to New York City together to see Welcome to Night Vale Live. Wow. Fucking hotel in New York City over here. Fucking hotel in New York City over here. Um, <laughs> one of my sophomore year roommates was also at that show. Ah. Totally separate point. The record came out the same day that we had that, like, to me, very meaningful moment in our relationship. And I'm like, hang on. Sure. Hang on. Yeah, you've connected the dots. I've connected them. This was a very personal album for me. I think I wrote, like, a draft college essay about it or some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think overall, I... Returning to this album was more of a pleasant experience than I expected it to be. Same, I think it is, same. like, very self-assured, has a very clear idea, and mostly executes it well. Um, it's more musically interesting and less conceptually interesting than some of the other Fall Out Boy albums, but I think, um, again, it, it like, it's pulls very cohesive. off. Yeah, it pulls off the, like, that particular, like, Centuries of Mortals Years, like, 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 that particular sound of modern Fall Out Boy is just done really well and packaged really well on this album. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I guess, um, I do think it's, it's, uh, a little, I don't know. I don't think there's so much of an overall concept to this record. I think there are a lot of the songs touch on the same topics of like, you know, nostalgia and toxic relationships and all that. And that's great. That's, you know, a good sort of through line for the album. But then you also have the songs like Uma Thurman that are sort of about nothing. Um, overall, it's, it's a, it's a much more solid record than I think I've given it credit for. Mm hmm. And they promoted the album with two tours, the Boys of Summer tour with Wiz Khalifa and the Winter is Coming tour. Uh, it would be another three years before they reached their follow-up. However, they tided fans over with a full remix album uh, with <laughs> features from 12 Major Yeah, they did. They fall. sure did. The name of that remix album is Make America Psycho Again, and we will cover it on another episode of Pulp Friendship. <laughs> that record that remix record is referenced uh in my bear with me on this one ancient greek uh art history and religion final oh <laughs> uh specifically in the terms of virgil's aeneid uh the georgics and the concept of uh bygone ages being better than they once were mm. Very interesting stuff. I feel like that album is one of the, like, in terms of the concept of this show, Make America Psycho Again is one of those totemic things of, like, just just a pop culture artifact that, like, nobody remembers that I'm kind of obsessed with. <laughs> and so it's, it's going to be very great nobody to talk about. Nobody remembers nobody needed. Yeah. <laughs> they've got, it's the edgy version of the cover where it's red now, and they've got the kid with a sparkler. Ooh, he's going to set something <laughs> on fire. Ooh. Yeah, there's there's a lot to go into there, and I think it'll be inter an interesting sort of, like, trade-off where I will probably have more, like, thoughts on the features and things to say about, <laughs> about like, that point in their careers. Um, but yeah, it'll be a fun one. Hang on, I just had a brain blast. Um, okay. The title of this record, the reason I'm asking you to bear with me is because I'm gonna get into some fandom stuff. Sure. 
I was very big into the 2017 Danger Days fandom. Mm-hmm. I made a lot of friends there. I still have a lot of friends there. The 2017 Danger Days fandom had this habit of taking other bands and putting them into fix also and giving them Killjoy names based off of their songs. Mm. And my brain blast is that I am remembering a fic in which I believe Andy Hurley was given the name American Beauty. Mm. Uh, and this was contrasted with Billy Joe Armstrong being given the name American Idiot. Mm. And them having to call each other beauty and idiot so they wouldn't, because they couldn't both be American. (laughs) (laughs) Usually, when people put Fallout Boy into Killjoy Fix, they will give them the names from the America's Sweethearts video Uh, Dr. Benzedrine, Mr. Sandman, Donnie, and whatever Joe was. Right. But that one. That one changed it up, and they called they called Andy American uh, American Beauty in that one, and I'm just I'm having a brain blast about it. I guess if you want to try and make the title make sense, I mean there is again that sort of like dichotomy of you know like 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 being an American or just you know being a person, whatever. Um, I guess you could kind of point to like you know. American Psycho is a movie about this this like cold blooded killer who's kind of who's kind of unhinged and you know you see that in some of the songs like uh, uh, Irresistible and Uma Thurman just these very kind of unhinged characters that are at play there and then you have American Beauty being about a guy going through a midlife crisis and that sort of ties into the more nostalgic elements of the record. So yeah, I guess you can look at this album as like, you know, the the nostalgic half is the American beauty half and the cold-blooded kind of rock star side is the is the American psycho side. Um, do you have any like final thoughts before we wrap it up? There's a lot of nostalgia in it. There's a lot of I feel like for for my own synesthesia, it's very evocative with with various things i've got this thing where sometimes i just get colors and sometimes i get full images Mm. and some of the songs on here have very full images so it's a whole like thing for me sure yeah i guess this is i i don't know if i ever actually had synesthesia but when i was a kid i did you know sometimes sometimes get images uh that that came my head from songs and i guess these are the kinds of songs that would do that um Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of see what you're saying. I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think these are, you know, this is a package of, uh, I don't like Jetpack Blues, but, you know, other than that, it's like, it's just a package of good Fallout Boy songs. And it's uh, as consistent an album as I think they've put out in recent memory. Uh, I haven't listened to so much for Stardust again since when it came out. I remember liking it at the time, but feeling like there weren't too many individual songs that stood out. Maybe that'll change. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was going to be a much more mixed review, and I do think this is a really good record. I think it's I think it's good. It's solid. Yeah. They got They got some good stuff in here. Well, Emily, thank you so much for joining me once again. You are always a pleasure, and you're always invited back, especially... (laughs) We know what we're doing next time we get together. Thank you very much for having me. Um, And thank you to everyone who's been listening as well. Uh, If you like the show, you can 
rate or like or follow wherever it is you're listening to it um you can share it with your friends let people know you like the show that's one of the best things you can do uh next time maybe just maybe and i've said this the last four episodes in a row uh we could be returning to the twilight saga so stay tuned we could what I disagree, Gary. I disagree, Gary. I disagree, Gary.